Welcome to Talking Wyndham, your weekly insight into the people who make our city surprising, fascinating, vibrant and interesting. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page. G'day and welcome to another edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier. Thanks, of course, to the Committee for Wyndham. And this podcast edition is brought to you, of course, by the Warby Accounting Services as well. Uh, today, a terrific guest. It's Alistair Timms. Now, Alistair is the winemaker and vineyard manager at uh, one of the absolute gems, one of the real jewels of the uh, of the crown of uh, the city of Wyndham, and that is Shadowfax Winery. So we'll uh, we'll talk to Alistair very shortly about what's going on at uh, at Shadowfax and uh, what you can and can't do at the moment with the new lockdown conditions. Again, back into uh, into the uh, the severe lockdown conditions. Uh, we'll get all the details of that for you shortly. We'll talk to Alistair about uh, making wine at uh, at Shadowfax and uh, where it's come from and uh, where it's headed in the future. Uh, but uh, a reminder about uh, Werribee Accounting Services, and of course that's uh, Teresa Gambaro, who's a very experienced and uh, person who will take all the all the scariness out of all those tax words like compliance and <laughs> and all those things that we all kind of go, oh, here we go again. Uh, Teresa will make it very simple for you, a very understandable and a very painless exercise. So uh, give them a buzz on nine seven four two. 6235. Check out windpower.com.au for all the details as well. But uh, let's uh, sit down, relax, and talk winemaking with Alistair Timms. Alistair, thanks for joining us on the Talking Wyndham podcast. Uh, how are things at Shadowfax? Oh, things are a little bit different these days, like any business in these current times. But um, really, things are going quite well. To tell you the truth, but, um, we're just adapting like every other business in the what, area. Um, what have you What have you had to do? What What has been the changes? I mean, obviously, there's changes in terms of the restaurant and the and that part of it, but in terms of the winemaking part as well. Um, the winemaking part was pretty much on track. We did have a, quite a tricky vintage this year, and our crops were quite low for various reasons. So we were down to about half of our um, usual tonnage, but wow. To be honest, the quality is really good. So don't worry about uh, quantity. Worry about quality. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it's probably that's right. It's probably not a bad year to have not a lot of wine. If you know what I mean. Yeah, on a uh, go long this year. So, uh, but you know the quality is good. So that's what that's all we can hope. Now tell us, uh, tell us your journey because you, you've grown up in a in a wine uh, in a wine family. I guess is the is the best way to put it. And the Bellarine Peninsula, which is you know what got you to um, to Shadowfax. Tell us about your early days. Yeah, well, I grew up with uh, on a, a vineyard winery down on the Ballerine between Drysdale and Port Arlington. So, yeah, in my youth, I suppose, I was grew up, you know, we had spuds as well. We, I was driving tractors and, you know, I used to uh, get pulled out of school sometimes, do a bit of tractor work. And then, of course, I remember planting some vines when I was 10 for mum and the family. And, uh, oh, wow. yeah, so it sort of has always been in the blood pretty much. Um, uh, I mean, in terms of uh, you then went to uni, uh, what, what was it you studied at uni that's helped you in this? Yeah, well, I went to Melbourne Uni to start with, so I just uh, did a general science degree there, um, which was quite interesting and had a bit, bit of time in Melbourne, sort of, you know, saw the big smoke for a few years, and then uh, went over and did the Bachelor of Ag Science in, at Adelaide University, which is when you major in onology, which is the winemaking part side of things. Well, that answers my next question. I, I noticed that you'd study onology, and I was going to ask you what that is exactly. Yeah, well, it's the study of uh, grape growing and winemaking in particular. So more the winemaking side of grape growing. I've sort of got that in my blood anyway, the grape growing, but um, 
uh, the wine side of things, really. So it's all all the chemistry in wine, uh, a lot of the sensory analysis of wine. But really, to be honest, it just gives you the foundations and you learn on the job. So I've learned so much uh, since university. So it just gives you the, I suppose, the general background knowledge of the chemistry behind all the wine, which I still use every day in the winery, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's more about now these days I'm, we're finding, getting more precision and actually talking about um, styles of wine and how we're making them. It's more of, a, I suppose, the art in wine has come more to the fore rather than the chemistry behind it. That's not mature as a winemaker. So is it more of a gut feel these days than it uh, than it, uh, it has been in, in, in recent times or has it gone back to being more of a scientific kind of feel? Uh, look, it's definitely, I mean, it's university, it's all science, you know. Um, yeah. But I suppose now it's more about taste sensory analysis and being able to logistics is a big thing when it comes to harvest for instance so you've got to be able to be flexible and, and um, you know so you've got something you may have to change what you're harvesting on certain days because of the weather or because of the tank space or because of you know all sorts of different problems or if it's ra- raining on you they don't teach you that at uni what to do and how to juggle <laughs> chuck the balls up in the air and and, uh, you know, all those sorts of things. You mentioned you've only got uh, half the volume uh, this year. Uh, what were the reasons behind that? Was it climactic mainly? Uh, 100% climactic, and that's the thing. People do forget that, you know, the winemaking is actually, we're, we're farmers like everyone else, and we're just as susceptible to um, the climatic conditions as anyone. But what, what the big thing was, we had a, quite a, a uh, wet spring during the flowering, and so the flowering sets up the vintage, really. So if you get a good flowering and you get a good fruit set, that really does correlate quite well to the crop size. And because it was a bit unsettled during the spring, it was a bit of a cool spring and there was a bit of rain and then it got really hot very quickly. So it was very trying and yeah, there just wasn't a good fruit set. And you can't do anything about that. So you just got to go with the punches and just do the best you can. Are grapes uh, high maintenance? Are they low maintenance? Are they finicky? What are they? Oh, look, they're bad. High maintenance grapes because everything we do here at Shadow Factory is built by hand. So we have to, we're pruning at the moment out here in the vineyard. Um, you know, we pick everything by hand. During the spring, you know, you have to be very careful and vigilant with your um, canopy and your, your management of the vineyard. So you make sure you're not getting disease and you have nice open canopies and those sorts of things. So, yeah, that's pretty trying. And you, you only get one crop every year of the vine. So you don't want to stuff it up for you. So for those of us who drive down K Road, uh, down past Shadowfax, and we see the vines there, um, what are we looking at? Are we looking at uh, grapes that finish up being what? Uh, well, there's a few different varieties here at Werribee. Um, we used to, it used to be all virtually 100% Shiraz here. Yep. But as that was planted about 20 years ago, but as it's warmed up over the years here at Werribee, we seem to find, we've found that um, other southern French varieties have done really well. So we grafted about half the vineyard over to these southern, different southern French varieties. So things like Grenache, which is really lovely blue fruit characters and lovely spice. And then we've got some Matara as well, which does really well in the hotter conditions, the drier conditions, which has been here as the years have gone on. So we've, we've adapted and we're always, you know, looking for new ideas, new varieties to try. We're actually doing a bit of a replant in the vineyard at the moment to plant some more Grenache because, you know, we think that does really well here. So. Is that because of the soil that uh, that uh, you're working with? Is that is that determine what sort of grapes grow best? Uh, so you'll get something that'll work really well in Werribee, but if you say you're planting at Melton or somewhere, it'll be something totally different. Oh, a little bit. I mean, this vineyard here is it's 
you probably know the vineyard, the soil around here, it's quite deep red soil. So yep. if you have a look at the, you know all the uh, vegetable crops around the place, it's these beautiful deep red. So we can have bigger problems. So Grenache, for instance, is a lower vigor variety, so it's much better for management of the foliage and the ratio of grapes to foliage and that sort of thing. So yeah, we yeah, I mean, but one of the big things is how hot it is here during the summer. Like it can get quite warm here in the summer. And obviously quite dry in some of those dry years. So um, the drier, those some varieties do better in drier conditions. What about the, the sort of young vines and old vines and all that? Too? Because in, in I guess in winemaking terms, Shadowfax is quite a, a young vineyard, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's 20 years old now, so they're just starting to hit their straps, really, okay. the vines here. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've only been around 20 years, but you know, we've, we've got other vineyards as well, up around in the Massen Ranges, we've diversified a bit. So, because it's a lot cooler up there, it's only about an hour, an hour and a bit to get up there. Um, so, we do get a bit of that fruit from up in our vineyards there. So, we make Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, for instance, that much prefer the cooler climate of Massen. So, take us through the the journey of how uh, how what finishes up being a bottle of beautiful Shadowfax Shiraz. What does that go through to finish up being what we uh, what we put on our tables in our fridge and and uh, you know on our dinner tables? Well, a lot of lack of sleep on our <laughs> during the harvest season, <laughs> looking at the skies if it's going to rain or if there's there's a pandemic coming on. So no, there's a lot of worries to get it in the building. But you know, once once we pick, so everything's hand picked. So we get crews in and we hand pick every bunch, every grape. So then that goes into the and we bring it back into the winery. And there's a couple of different processes depending if it's red wine or white wine. So let's let's talk about the Grenache, for instance, what goes into our minnow red blend. Yeah. Um, so what we do, we we process that when we get back back into the winery. We take the stems off it. So we just have the pure berries, and that goes into what we call an open fermenter, about three ton batches, and then this where natural fermentation occurs. So there's wild yeast in the air and on the grapes and that will that kicks off after a few days and converts all the sugar and natural sugars in the grapes and converts it into alcohol yep. and uh, our job is to get all the good flavours out of the skins of the grapes and all the florals and the carrots and tannins and the, all the, the good stuff and none of the bad nasty flavours so and when yeah so that fermentation process takes a couple of weeks and then what we do then we uh, we press the, the grapes the, the must off, so we have wine then, and that's and we put that into a tank, and then after a day, let it settle, and then straight into our barrels underground in the in the cellar. How long do they stay in the barrels? Yeah, so they stay in the barrels about twelve months, depending on the variety. But what that what happens down there? There's a, a secondary fermentation process, and then there's also time for the grapes, the wine to rest. I suppose we call it. So the tannins get bigger and the wine softens and it makes it more drinkable. And the barrels, the French oak barrels that we use, they're a little bit porous. And so there's a bit of a chemistry going on there. So but yeah, it makes the wine much more palatable and much softer on the palate. So that, you know, it's a very natural process. We don't do any no tricks or anything like that, but we've just got to keep keep on our toes. And we taste the barrels every every month just to okay. make sure. Yep. They're tracking where we want them to. Um, yeah. So is there is there a, is there a marked difference between what uh, you know when you taste it in January to what you taste in December? Oh yeah, definitely. Like you know, if we 
Bosch Ocean wine that was in barrel for a month. It was very hard and acidic, and the tannins are quite gritty and tough. And that's why we do leave it in barrel for you know ten to twelve months to soften. So it become more more of a wine, really more. Yeah, it's just a natural chemical process that that happens over time. But yeah, it just softens it and becomes more complete, I suppose. That that consistency that uh, the good wines have, where you know you can buy a bottle of that, and you know that every time you buy a bottle of that, it will be it will be good and it will be of a certain standard. That that must, is is that the key to to good wine making is to be able to get that kind of consistency across a range, given that it's you know two thousand and ten, two thousand eleven, two thousand and twelve. Yeah, it is. I mean, we try. We're pretty small here, so we can be quite flexible uh, year to year. You know, we've only got three of us that work in the winery. Um, but I mean, I, we do like to reflect the vintage variation a little bit. Um, you know, some years are a bit warmer, so yeah. they'll be a bit more alcoholic and a bit more showy and a bit more tannin. Some years are a bit cooler, so they might be a bit more supple and a bit finer and a bit more acidic. So I'm not, we're not afraid to highlight those vintage variations, but we do like to see consistency, what we call like a thread from year to year. So the aromatics are very similar. The, the shape in the palate is very similar. I think that's what we talk about with consistency in the product. Well, I hate calling it a product, but the yeah. consistency in the wine, the final wine that you know that you know where it's from. It's definitely a Shadowfax Pinot Noir or Shadowfax Chardonnay. That you know every year it's a little bit differently. Different. It might have a bit more sun or a bit more acid or a bit more tannin. I embrace that because you know, it's, and every year the taste is a little bit different, but it's got the Shadowfax theme, and it's definitely a Shadowfax wine. So what what would you what would you put down if you had to you know in a, in in terms of words what would you call this shadow fact signature? Uh, the shadow facts. Well, I think I like to call them uh, powerful yet fine. Um, yep. So powerful aromatically and really uh, fragrant, but yet fine. Lots of tannin and flavour, but fine on the palate, light on the palate. It's not bogged down. It's not heavy. It's not. It's got this light lightness to it, but power, so yeah, finesse and power, I suppose. You mentioned uh, how, in, in comparative terms, how small the operation is and you know, how, how hands-on it is to the point where you're hand-picking uh, the grapes and stuff. It's, uh, how many how many people involved in the process from sort of go to woe? Well, as I said, yeah, there is only the three of us in the vineyard and winery, so we like to Jeez. keep a close-knit uh, team. So, yeah, I'm out, been out here pruning today and then, you know, later on when Starts raining, we'll go and try a few barrels and you know do some topping up, or you know we might. So, so we do like to have that consistency of vineyard work. So we all work in the vineyard, and we all work in the winery, the three of us at the same. But that gives us good flow. So everything we're doing in the winery and vineyard should reflect what's happening in the bottle and the glass at the end of the day. So you know, it just keeps us on our toes a bit, I suppose. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of the little gems of uh, the city of Wyndham, the Shadowfax Winery. Uh, the, the word that uh, I mean, it's a it's a word of mouthing in many ways. But uh, the uh, I guess getting Shadowfax out to the rest of Australia and the rest of the world is that uh, something that's a, a huge challenge for you guys? Oh, it is. I mean, you know, we we do love our local support. The locals really do support us. We're where we in Wyndham, um, but you know, we we've got a big presence in the restaurant trade in Melbourne. Well, not so much at the moment, but when things were humming along yeah. before, prior to this, you know, we were selling more than 60% of our wine in Melbourne restaurants, I suppose. So, you know, we really do work hard on that. But, you know, we've also sell some wine in Sydney and Queensland 
you know, we, we have a little bit of overseas presence, but you know, we don't have the volumes to be pushing into big markets like that. We're trying to make less wine and make it higher quality rather than make it bigger and lower quality. And sort of, if you know what I mean, Alistair, how, how many bottles would you produce? I mean, how many bottles are you expecting to produce, say, in the next twelve months uh, out of the winery? Um, so this year we did about a hundred tons, so probably about twelve thousand dozen, I suppose. Jeez. So. Whatever that is, so I mean, it sounds like a lot when you say it like that. But <laughs> you know, if you go to big wineries up on the river, you know they're doing ten thousand tons. You know, we're only doing a hundred tons, so we're, we're quite small and unique and, and uh, hands on. So yeah, it's just a, it's very it's, we're a micro winery really in the yeah. scale of the country. Yeah. Uh, but what a, I mean, what a great experience to be able to walk in uh, off K Road and to, to you know to walk in and, and taste the wines there and sit down and have a you know a bite to eat as well and uh, and the food there's always uh, always top notch and uh, it's just a, it's a really great experience to look out on the, on the you know the vines while you while you're doing that and all that it's a it's a lovely experience and something that I think a lot of people uh, don't even actually realise even there. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a bit of a jewel in the West out here. Oh. You know? We're the only winery around, and you know you could be in any great wine region in Victoria. Really, yeah. sitting here, you've yeah. got the ambiance, and you've got—I mean, I think some of our wines are as good or better than a lot of a lot of other in, in different regions. So, you know, it, it is a bit of a jewel in the west, and we love it when people come here and enjoy that because I get to do it every day. And, you know, they sit here and have a a taste and a glass of pinot or chardonnay and overlook and with friends, and yeah, you know, it just really does. It is a nice afternoon here. Shatterfax Chardonnay is a beautiful drop. Is it an underrated wine? Oh, it's, I don't know if it's underrated. I mean, I think we've got some presence and people do. If you say Shatterfax Chardonnay, a lot of people tell you it's really good and consistent year and year out. So we work hard on our Chardonnay for years now. And I mean, that's one of the cool products that we make here, that Chardonnay. And it's just, we've got, it's got good flow and good consistency. We've got really good uh, support with, you know, customers buying year, in, year on year out. And restaurant, the restaurant trade love our shadow section. I it's the right price point and value for money, and but it's just got that real lovely precision and consistency. Oh, you mentioned about the price point. I mean, in terms of uh, the quality of it, uh, it, it certainly sort of is underneath what uh, I guess I don't want to say this uh, in the wrong way, but uh, wines with a bigger name than Shadow Facts probably not quite as good are selling for a lot more. Well, that's right. I mean, we like to, it's always nice to sell you out of your products, I suppose. So, we position ourselves in the market, you know, that thirty to thirty-five dollar Chardonnay. I mean, there's not too many in the country that will look as good as that for, at that price point. So, yeah. you know, we've picked up many awards for that over the years for Chardonnay. What's your challenges with Shadowfax heading into the future? I mean, uh, post all this COVID stuff and when all that's gone, what what are you hoping to achieve in the next sort of twelve to eighteen months with Shadowfax? Oh, twelve to eighteen months. Oh, well, we just got to get the wines that we've got downstairs and in the barrels right and in bottle and and make sure that we look after them and cherish those wines and, and get them into bottles in the best condition we can. Uh, and that's sort of the very short term. And then obviously we want to try and for next year when the harvest is coming on from February next year, we want to obviously a bit more crop would be nice, not to have 100 tonnes, yeah. a bit more, you know, to, to sort of double our production again. Hopefully we get a good flowering. But, I mean, we just want to have our product Consistently, regard, we're highly regarded, and that's all we do. You know, we we just love it when people come here and taste our wine and drink it, and you know, it's it's it really is nice to, to get feedback from customers. You know, when they come and enjoy the wine, it's, it's really nice. 
How um, how far, given you know the clim- the climate is obviously a huge determining factor in what you do each year. How far ahead are you able to plan? Are you able to look past twelve to eighteen months? Do you look four or five years down oh, the track? Well, definitely. I mean, that's why we're replanting some of this vineyard next this year. Oh, okay, like we're looking at a ten year plan, twenty year plan, because if if it's those if the climate has changed in the last, if it keeps going the way it has in the next ten to twenty years. It will be a very different place to grow grapes. And 20 years ago, when we first planted this vineyard, it was a different climate here. You know, we've had less less rain, hotter summers and drier summers, yeah. which is all different things we've had to manage. Like we, we try and get a bit more growth early, so we shade the fruit when we get those 40-plus days. Um, you know, we're trying to get these other varieties. So, yeah, no, we do look at climate change a lot. That's also why we invested heavily in the Maston region as well, buying vineyards and planting vineyards up there because uh, it's a lot cooler up there. Uh, it's a bit more high rainfall. Um, and so in the long term, you know, it's good to have those vineyards that uh, will be coming to their own once it warms up a bit more. Is there any plan to have like the shadow faxes in Macedon and uh, around different places in terms of uh, the experience that you can have uh, when you head down K Road? Oh, not not so much. I mean, you always be able to get a bottle of wine and drink a bottle of Shadowfax anywhere you'd like to take it. That's the beauty of it. I suppose you take, and when people come here, when they buy a bottle of wine and they take it home or they take, have it with their friends in their house, you know, they have that experience and it takes them back to Shadowfax here. So I suppose that we, we like to do that. So, or, you know, if someone's having a, a bottle of wine in a Melbourne restaurant, they'll talk about the Shadowfax experience they had down here at the winery. And, you know, that, that's one way we could do that. You've been obviously in the industry for a, a number of years now. What's What's been the biggest change that's happened in your time in the industry? Well, I suppose it's the climate is the big thing, but yeah. nothing, winemaking hasn't changed a lot. I mean, we're, we're refining our, the way we make it, we're putting less inputs in, I suppose. Um, but I mean, and the way we grow grapes, we're thinking a bit more organically and trying to go down that road more than what we used, used to do conventionally. Yep. You know, in 20 years ago, it was a very conventional way to grow grapes and now we're, you know, we're using more um, non-conventional farming methods and you know, doing away with certain chemicals and all that sort of thing. I mean, and so that's the way the industry's going, I suppose. What about, uh, is, there, is there a lot of young winemakers coming through? Is it an industry that uh, has got growth in that area or, is, or what, what's the story there? Oh yeah, they're not all they're not all old and crusty and got big red noses <laughs> and old drunks. No, so no, there's definitely a lot of young winemakers around and you know, it, it is exciting having the young seeing new people come and new brands, new young winemakers. There's plenty around. Uh it's not they're not all cotton on old crusties if if you want yeah. for a better word. Yeah. But um, no, that, that's good to see those young youngsters come through. Is there is there I mean is there a sort of um, sort of rec not reckless but is there more of a kind of experimental thing about what you do with grapes these days than there was twenty years ago? Is it less kind of formulated? Oh uh, yeah, in, in a way, yeah. I mean, you see more you know, the, the big thing at the moment is there's more natural wines around, and a lot of the youngsters, young winemakers, are pushing that. You know, a lot of these wines that are um, cloudy and you know, a little less so-called traditional, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's boundaries being pushed there, but you know, the market also le- leads that. So you've got to give the people what they want, I suppose. Yep. Um, you know, so there is new things and exciting things, and you know, we we use, you know, we use less whole bunches now, and 
we're using less new wood and those sorts of things. So, yeah, there are some small changes that's happened over the years, I suppose. There's a, 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 in terms of you know is there, is there remarkable things and avant-garde things being done overseas that we're looking at that uh, or are we right in the in the mix of you know the best of the best in terms of winemaking uh, in this country? Oh, well, the world's a pretty small place these days. Well, obviously not at the moment because you can't jump on a plane. But I've worked overseas in Italy, and my offsiders worked overseas in, in New Zealand in wineries, and also in Italy. And I got the other guy that worked here with me. He's worked over in the US and France. So uh, it, they always bring back different ideas from different wineries from around the world, um, and that's that's really good to keep us on our toes a bit and just make sure we're doing the right track. But, you know, we, we like to stay a little bit focused and try and push our barrow a little bit and make sure that we're doing the right thing. And it's good to get a few new ideas every now and again, but you know, we, sometimes that can be a bit more of a distraction than anything. Yeah. And obviously there must be an enormous amount of satisfaction when to, to be as hands-on as you are and then to kind of stand in uh, in the restaurant area there and the in the tasting area and see people enjoying your wine there and then on the spot there. There must be something in that that's kind of special. Oh, it is. You know, and people come up and comment often to me and that is very nice. It's hard and I suppose that all the hard work that, you know, people who sit down here and, and have lunch or a bottle of wine, they, they don't often see it. They just think it's a, often, you know, a bottle of wine. You know, it's, it's, they like it and enjoy it. But, you know, when they come up and tell me that they like it and enjoy it, yeah, definitely there's, there's a lot of satisfaction because, you know, it's a lot of hard work and it's a year's worth, more than a year's worth gone into that bottle. Yeah. It's not, yeah, so it, it is good. It is good when you see a happy customer. It, it, that uh, makes you feel good. Uh, look, it's world it's world class um, wine. There's no doubt about that, and uh, you've done a terrific job, Alistair. Thanks so much for your time on the Talking Wyndham podcast. Really appreciate it, and uh, hope that the weather's kind to you, and uh, and 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 you get uh, more than uh, than half your your harvest next year. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks, and uh, thanks for all the world customers out there as well. Thanks to Alistair. And just a, a little bit of business on uh, on Shadowfax at the moment. During the lockdown, they are doing takeaways. They're doing the pizza meals that are just so uh, delightful and delectable from uh, the kitchen there. And, of course, you can always uh, get your Shadowfax wine online. Uh, simple as that at the uh, at the uh, website. So uh, Shadowfax Winery, my thanks to Alistair Timms and all the best of luck to Alistair and his uh, very small team in that uh, rather uh, terrific operation they have uh, going down there on uh, on K Road. And a reminder about our terrific sponsors of this podcast, uh, the uh, latest series, the Werribee Accounting Services. That's uh, Teresa Gambaro. And, of course, Teresa's very experienced, uh, not only in, in taxation, but uh, you can also talk to Teresa about legal matters. She's a qualified lawyer. And uh, there's a whole range and raft of services is available to you that you can check out on the website windpower.com.au or give them a buzz 97426235 be only too happy to have a chat to you and talk to you about uh, whatever your, your, your problem might be or your issue might be I'm sure they'll find the solution for you at the Werribee Accounting Services and our thanks to Teresa for her great support of uh, both herself and her company Teresa of course is uh, as we mentioned last week when we spoke to Michael Brown from Reckling Teresa's on the board of, uh, of Reckling so does some great uh, work in putting back into the community as well through things like uh, sponsoring this podcast. So thanks to uh, Werribee Accounting Services. And thanks again to Alistair Timms. More of Talking Wyndham on the way. And, of course, don't forget you can check any back episodes. Always make sure you subscribe and then you never miss an episode and you can go back and have a look at uh, and have a listen to ones that you haven't uh, seen or heard before. You won't have seen any of them because it's a podcast. Uh, So enjoy. uh, See what lockdown's done to me. Uh, Thanks for listening to this this edition of the uh, Talking Wyndham podcast. 
Thanks for listening. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.